I mean, nothing gets Alana like the rest of us all speaking in fake British accents. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> oh, no. 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 <laughs> it's going to sound horribly Dick Van Dyke if I try it. It's not going to be good. Oi, 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 oi. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. And this is probably not who or what you were expecting to hear after pressing play, so I'm really sorry. But hey, I'm Alana and this is my first time hosting the show, so please be really nice to me. I'm scared, but actually really incredibly excited because one, I've never done this show before as a host, so it's really exciting. And it's about a topic that I came up with last year. I'm surprised we never covered it, but it's something I'm really, really excited to talk about. But you know who else I'm excited to be with? Uh, the three guests I've got with me today and someone who is no stranger to hosting a podcast. It's Greg Delmage. Hey, that's me. I'm <laughs> still sort of in a hiatus from random, but getting myself eased back in from the craziness of life. So thank you for uh, letting me uh, shake off the rust on a show that I'm not responsible for. I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not usually responsible for it, but yeah, it's really great to have you back. I know you haven't been on the show all year, really, have you, since the beginning of the year, so it's good to have you back. Well, for yeah, with uh, Rhythm, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a hot minute. I was listening to some episodes recently, and I was, yeah, I don't think it's been since the Final Fantasy IX one. Oh, geez, that is a year ago now, isn't it? Blimey. I think so, yeah. <sighs> wow. I mean, there was a bit of a hiatus, to be fair, but... There was, yeah, but we're back now. We're well back in the swing of things. Uh, as you know, someone who's been with me on quite a few episodes recently, Zach Wilkerson. That's me. That is you. Whoa. <laughs> Good to have you back. And last but not least, making their Rhythm Encounter debut. It means you've been on all three podcasts now on the site. Wes Eiler. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to hit the hat trick. I oh. feel like I've arrived. Oh, I'm happy I'm the one who gets to welcome you on. It's like not my <laughs> job, but hey, it's me and that's my I'm just happy I'm happy you're here and I'm really excited couldn't ask for better <laughs> I'm excited to hear what you've got to say um so yeah if you've seen the title of the episode today it's called press start we're going to be talking about title themes for predominantly RPGs today um but basically we've got a really really good mix of real fan favorites classics and some slightly lesser known ones as well so I think We've covered a really wide range of things. There's some really, really popular ones. Um, I'm good for those always. You're always good for those, but you always bring the best <laughs> ones. So never, ever use it as an insult to yourself. So no, you're trying to put yourself down. Um, but yeah, in 70 episodes, we've not done title themes before, which is really surprising to me. That really is. Yeah, because we've done opening themes. We've done credits. We've done closing themes, all those kinds of things, all your standards. And I guess they're close. Exactly, yeah. And so like when... I was inspired by this topic by one of my picks today, actually. Um, and I was like, how have we never done this before? So, hey, we're fixing it now. So that's a good thing, really. Um, so without further ado, really, I think we should just get kicked off. Um, so, Greg, I know you've got the first pick of the show. So do you want to let us know what you got? Yeah, I do. Uh, I saw the Bit Brigade ages ago at a PAX. And, uh, and I just love their jams. And I've like, they always... We need to find a reason to get them on this show. Just they don't do a lot of stuff that's RPG. But uh, when this came up, um, one of my most memorable title screens is from The Legend of Zelda. Because uh, it's just, I know it's it's not an RPG, whatever. It's adjacent. But uh, yeah, that's that's going to be mine. We're doing the title theme from uh, the original The Legend of Zelda. An oldie but a goodie. And hey, yeah, what packs, what conventions nowadays? Like, 
I do miss them. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, we debated going this year because we specifically planned our wedding to be on the weekend that PAX always falls. So we can Ooh. specifically do our wedding anniversary on PAX weekend. <laughs> That's fun. Because we have our wedding and then the day before our wedding is my wife's like cancer anniversary when she was declared uh, in remission. So oh, we're yeah. like, we've got two big heavy uh, cards that we can play to be like, we need time off. Cancer anniversary, wedding anniversary. Try and say no. And then we go to PAX in Seattle. So that's our plan. But then COVID happened. So we haven't been able to take advantage of that yet. <laughs> oh, well, 2022, hopefully. Let's get that again. And then, Zach, you've got the second pick of the block. I have come with your first very obvious pick, uh, which is the Octopath Traveler main theme, which, you know, despite the fact that it's obvious, is also amazing. So, yeah. Yep. Can yep. I get a pumpkin spice latte with that, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's perfect. Yeah. So, there we it go, is. listeners. Uh, let's go and listen to title by Bitgrade from The Legend of Zelda and Octopath Traveler main theme.
Uh, so yeah, that's a rocking good time. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I saw Bit Brigade at PAX ages ago. And I think, yeah, the first performance of theirs I saw was The Legend of Zelda. So for those of you who have never heard of The Bit Brigade or seen them, uh, do yourself a favor and track down a show as soon as you can or watch them on YouTube. I think there's going to be a link in the show notes. Yes, there will be. But their whole shtick is they have one of their buddies who's just very good at playing video games who sits down in a chair that they bring on stage with his little uh, old classic tube TV and a Nintendo. They plug it in start up the game it displays on a big screen for the audience to watch and then they proceed to essentially speed run the game while the bit brigade plays the soundtrack along with it oh that's very cool it is insanely cool they're a very talented band this person is a very talented player to watch someone like rip through the legend of zelda in like under 30 minutes is humbling and disgusting and i've <laughs> seen them do it with some other games what was it i think uh, i mean they have They've done Castlevania. They've done Mega Man. Yeah, they feel like all the class, all the NES classics feel like the right yeah. things to do it with, don't they? Yeah. They've done it to some good stuff. I saw them do it Metroid, and it just my my jaw dropped. A again because how good the music was, and B just watching someone just destroy Metroid, and I'm like, I can't even figure out how to get off like the first place in them. Then the original Nintendo one is is <laughs> insane. So, needless to say, I was hooked on their music. I picked up the album, and it's great. The thing they prefaced this one with, because obviously the original Legend of Zelda has, it's uh, one of Koji Kondo's formative pieces, and there's not a lot to it. So they throw in music from all the other games as you go through, because once you've heard like the overworld theme once, if they did that for the next 20 minutes, we'd all get very tired. So they throw in stuff from uh, Link to the Past and Zelda 2 and such and such to freshen it up. But they obviously start with the original Legend of Zelda title theme, which just speaks to adventure. Like, this game was really ahead of its time. I think I mentioned on an episode of Random Encounter way back when, when I uh, we had a COVID scare at our house and I had to go into isolation. I ripped through it in my DS, which was the first time I've ever played through the game entirely. And, like, it's interesting how, like, that game was so open world and you could kind of mess around and go wherever you wanted in such an early fashion, which before, like, open world RPG or games were really kind of a thing. Mm, definitely was, wasn't it? Yeah so cool and yeah and so like this title screen is always giving you that sense of adventure like there's just something really great and cool you got that waterfall in the title screen the sword comes across it's it really makes use of as many of those pixels and colors as possible to just paint this cool little vista of this grand exploratory adventure that Miyamoto wanted people to run off into right and uh yeah it's just it's started my love for this entire series like it's one of my favorite games franchises of all time and i think i did actually cut my teeth on a link to the past but i'm pretty sure i also was exposed to this one pretty early on as well and it's just this is the one that started it all so i really wanted to harken back to that with this uh with this one and i wanted to find an excuse to throw bit brigade onto our show (laughs) (laughs) what everybody else think yeah i mean i I think that i I, the the musicality of this um and and i and you're right greg i think it's like a pretty simple track right like it's like a Mm -hmm. track that is not doing a lot and i like the way that they use like two different guitars like it starts out with like sort of that guitar solo yeah it brings in another one to sort of um add more to it and it feels a little bit more, and maybe I just have never mentioned, I, I'd never like thought of this before with the original version of it. It feels a little bit more like a march, um, mm-hmm. like, like yeah, the bass, especially with that drum. Yeah, like, like there's like this bass, like sort of sitting beneath it. Um, it, it, it all feels like very heavy metal um, in a way that like I never would have really thought of um, with this particular track, certainly. But just like it, it, it takes an approach to the track that I've never really thought of before, but like it makes it feel like. 
I don't know, like almost patriotic, like in this idea, like uh, uh, of like pay homage to Hyrule. Yeah, <laughs> it highlights like sort of like the the forward momentum of this track. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, the fact that like you're you're moving towards something, you're moving towards whatever it is that you're supposed to do, um, and it, it, and like the, the spirit of adventure, like feels like more like it's like more like propulsive with this version. Um, and I think it's probably partially just because of like just like the guitar nature of it and feeling like sort of like a late '90s Pearl Jam song um, <laughs> yeah, in that way. Um, Speaking of which, I wrote uh, "Git Harmonies" as a get, thing. Uh, yeah, and I think that's appropriate. <laughs> um, and, and like the way those harmonies sort of press you forward, um, I think it's like a, an interesting take on this track. And they have to get nuanced with yeah, like you said, with something so basic like. They can't just play it rote if they want to make it interesting. Otherwise, yeah, what are you coming for, right? I think that's the benefit of a game of a song with so much history, though. I mean, the series has used it and reused it time and time again, so that almost any arrangement that gets put together of it, so long as it's good enough, it feels like, oh, this is how it's supposed to sound. It's got such a strong melody that lends itself to any number of different instruments that uh, it sounds excellent, but it can still sound definitively like this person's arrangement or this group's arrangement. Uh, it's a, it's a real strength of having such a, a classic theme that's stuck with the series throughout the entire life lifespan of the series. Yeah, you don't really hear many rock covers. Of, there's like Zelda rock albums, absolutely, but like I I wrote down March as well, actually. So I'm glad that Zach, you also thought that it sounded like a march because that was like the one thing I thought. It's those snares, right? The- it's the snares and just it's the steadier, slower pace of it as well. Because like there's something a little bit more energetic about the original version in particular like it it drags on through the title theme to the map theme like this is the song you'll probably hear most in the game other than the dungeon theme right like um so that's why it's stuck around for so long and why there's been so many different versions of it i also think you could probably hear it in smash like i'm surprised that there's not really anything similar to it in smash bros right now um but you know um there you go there's lots and lots of versions of the title theme in smash bros which i think are amazing um but yeah i think like i think for me like personally i think watching that bit brigade video that you linked us to greg and like i said earlier i'm gonna put it in the show notes because it is really worth seeing that speed run i think the live version is what really helped me connect to it a little bit more because i think it's that like marriage between like the game and the music and it's like what wes was saying like this is timeless this piece of music is stuck around for so long and like i almost can't like detach the really simple melody from the really simple visuals of wandering around that map and like wandering around um that title screen as well so it's a really good take on this song yeah and like i have the whole album i bought it right away to support the band and uh and i think i brought i got castle bandy i think what they call the other one or whatever and it's uh you're right though like it definitely their music plays better as a live show so to speak which is great because there's a lot of bands out there that you'll hear their music and then you see them live and they're crap (laughs) whereas this is more the kind of the other way around not that the the album is crap but it definitely you can listen to it but it's when you want to rock out but otherwise like it's just experiencing it is the better way to go yeah there's a quality to seeing rock music live that i think that a lot of other well all genres kind of take a different you can experience them differently live um but i think there's something really special to going to see a rock performance live in particular and this kind of lends mm-hmm. itself to it so yeah i think this is a really good one i think it's good that we've got zelda because you know zelda is great and i love koji kondo's music in particular yeah. uh, I, I like i'm not the biggest zelda fan but i do really like zelda music and it's always good to have a different take on that so yeah we got something from the very nes era um but fast forwarding like 
I don't know, like 30 years, maybe um, something a bit more recent, but but perhaps grounded. Almost 35, right? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. Grounded in the same sort of era visually, at least. Octopath. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that this is, um, I mean, like, I feel like Octopath music in general is like so fantastic, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, this track to me does an amazing job of communicating like what the game is going to be um, because it does so many different things in such a short period of time. But one of the things that I like about it in particular um, is like the way that it, it again, I don't mean to like bring it back to a march. If like I talk about marches a lot, but it's true. It has like this underlining, like sort of like rhythm and like beat and like press forward to it. Um, and, you know, and I feel like, you know, Octopath, regardless of what you think about it, like, I think I like it more than a lot of people. But it feels like it's always pressing forward, um, maybe partially because you're constantly moving between like these different, you know, storylines and different ideas with like those strings that like are just like propulsive almost. And I, I really like that. Um, and, and like there's like an emphasis on the beat early on, like almost like that downbeat in like the quarters, like it, it, it's constantly moving us forward. Um, but then, like, it's doing like, all these different things. Like, there's, like, a French horn that comes in. It's, like, kind of triumphant. Uh, and then there's, like, this flute that comes in that is, like, sort of mirroring it, but also, like, doing something more exciting at the same time. And, you know, like, I, I feel like um, as it goes towards, like, this big finish and has, like, these whirling strings, you can feel the song ending and I feel like, you know, like the way that it's using like, all these different instruments, and I actually don't know, I should check this, um, like if it's using like themes from different characters, but like it feels like that. Like it feels like it's pulling in all these different like musical styles and like these like different solos of instruments in ways that capture like different elements of what Octopath is doing. And I, and I feel like the propulsiveness of it, like underneath the whole time makes it like really tie the game together in maybe ways that the story didn't do as well as I would like. <laughs> yep, 100%. Um, yeah, um, to jump in, um, absolutely. I think um, I did try and think about the character themes. Um, I I would imagine, because I kind of associate one instrument per character, like I think Hornets is the piano, um, uh, Ophelia has the flute, um, um, saxophone is, oh God, Alfin and... A couple of other ones um but i think they're all there but i don't think there's anything like i think there's probably a there's none of their motifs in there yeah the motifs specifically aren't there but i think at least the instruments are which would make sense anyway because it's a big band orchestra um but i think that's still a really good thing to point out um also what you're saying about propulsion is and marching again is again everything that i wrote down basically so i think the key here is is like it's the same melody repeated over and over and over again but every time it loops it's got another instrument or it gets louder it or it's just like builds and builds and it's that kind of like like you said zach like all eight of these paths and all eight of these characters moving forward and coming together to create this party and it's really interesting because like it's a really like heroic triumphant theme but like there's nothing and i don't mean this is a criticism of octopath traveler there's nothing hugely triumphant or heroic about Octopath Traveler, if you know what I mean. Like, it's a very humble game with eight very humble stories that go off in different directions. Like, there's no, like, save the world plot until the post-game, which, eh. There are some great fights in that post-game, all there, right? There are some great <laughs> fights in that post-game, but, like, the whole idea, I, what I love about Octopath Traveler, and I like it a lot as well, is that 
there it's not about saving the world and I really relish those kind of stories that are just about people trying to make their lives or make their way through things and of course they go through some strange situations and you know there's betrayal there's whatever else that happens in Octopath it's been a while um, but it, it's like this real harmony of characters that I think the music does a better job of bringing their themes and their instruments together at least more than the narrative does um, but yeah I, I think it pairs really beautifully with that opening title sequence where you've got like all eight characters like walking and it blends them into each other and like Ophelia walks forward and um, Cyrus walks to the right and then it, like it's a continuous piece so it ties the whole theme of Octopath Traveler together it's like this game is going to be about traveling the world moving forward with eight characters and yeah it's, it's it's stunning the soundtrack is incredible and this is the first piece you hear and it's like it, it just go it, it's a constant from there basically yeah i mean like one thing i haven't mentioned is i really like the use of bells in this track like i feel like that doesn't Ooh, happen yeah. very often um and like this the way they use bells and tambourines and like these sounds and that bongos bongos yeah. you don't usually get either which i mentioned in my uh, my review, yeah, like, like things that like you don't often hear, but like they, I feel like they're trying to pull so many instruments together with this, and I, I think that the bells and the way they sit over this whole track really add a lot to it. Like I had the pleasure of reviewing the soundtrack, and I still have yet to play the game aside from the demo, <laughs> uh, and it was just a wonderful listen and to hear it out of context. And like you're you're right in a way, um, like with Alana, with what you're saying about how like uh, from what I've heard, like you know the game's not triumphant in terms of how it kind of all worked together it's a very humble back to basics game in a lot of way and uh, like you're saying zach it's the same motif kind of rewritten and it's originally i know when i first started listening to this a lot of the motifs and a lot of the themes are very tight short loops but there's a lot of nuance to them and then this is one of those pieces that that shows how far the nuance can go and how yeah that whole driving thing like I remember saying in my review that like you get to the end of the song and that big build and flourish and you're basically like you're out of breath like you're just you've been running this marathon alongside the music because of just how energetic it gets it just sweeps you into it which is so cool and I did find out while researching uh, Nishiki who wrote this and everything that this song is the song that almost broke him though when he was making he was uh, putting together the soundtrack which I thought was funny that he was ready to resign because he just couldn't like figure out what he wanted to do for the main title theme. Uh, what it is with like great composers almost resigning while they're composing their masterpieces, you know, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and he was already like halfway through, as you were saying. And it's just like, I thought I was just going to resign from the project. Like, I'm done. Can't do it. <laughs> well, glad he didn't. Nishiki for dragon quest. When <laughs> yes, <please. Yeah. laughs> you know, to, to Alana's earlier point, the way that the title theme actually plays in with the title screen, that's something that I love out of title screen music. It's something that, like, if I'm listening to it and I close my eyes, I instantly get the visual associated with that. And the fact that it is kind of that driving journey of a song and the characters that are moving along in the title screen are moving at a slower pace than you'd pretty much ever be moving along in the game itself and kind of highlights the fact that, yes, this is, you know, Travelers is not just a simple name. It's meant to be a journey that you're following along and the music and the visuals actually work well together, you know, simple as, as the visuals might be um, in the title screen to really drive that home uh, it's it's one of those that like if you think of title screens you close your eyes and this song kind of starts playing in your head right oh god it's an instant classic like i can't think of anything in the last 
six or seven years maybe that rivals it in terms of what it's trying to do i think it's it's it, it the whole soundtrack like evokes the 16-bit era perfectly but for a modern day like re- reorchestration instrumentation whatever um yeah it, it's it's wonderful i love this piece to piece bits um it would be rude not to bring it on really i think i'm glad you think so yeah well there you go you don't have to put yourself down for bringing all the <laughs> obvious picks do you well i th- my next pick is even more obvious it so. is and it might be the best pick so don't worry about I that i mean i know <laughs> somebody had to do it they did yeah um but yeah one last thing i want to like chip in is there's not many songs it doesn't lead in with this instrument because it starts with the strings obviously but not many songs use the flute as one of their predominant pieces of like instrumentation like the flute really carries it feels like the wind blowing through your hair kind of thing like it really carries the song through and it gives it a real lightness it's like celtic kind of vibe yeah it it is a little bit and yeah i guess that was really the last thing i wanted to say there um octopath good octopath soundtrack is amazing i really want to listen to champions of the continent when we get a soundtrack for that um so yeah and many of the live albums and the versions of this there's so many arrangements of this game so yeah i really thought about bringing one on but like the og version just like it's hard to match yeah i have i struggled to pick yeah i think the og version for this in particular is good there are some battle themes that have some good arrangements but this consistently the original always wins i agree all right so i guess since we've kind of gone up from a rock to a a bit of a jig we're gonna pick up the tempo even more for the next block um so my first pick is here and i have picked brat overflow from 13 sentinels aegis rim so this is my uh, base escape um or specifically so many brats so many brats and so many kids um 13 of them in fact but actually more um so this is done by base escape uh which is hitoshi sakamoto's studio and this track is actually composed by sakamoto as well so extremely different from anything else he's ever done um and before i picked this or when i picked this i thought i might be bringing on the weirdest song or the most energetic and upbeat song but I think Wes might have me here, <laughs> mightn't you? Oh, I, I really wanted to bring on a journey. This is the one that I think made this this idea stand out to me. Uh, I brought Into Free Dangan, uh, performed by Bizu for, for Dragon's Dogma. Um, it is as wild a journey as the game itself actually is, and I think is so thematically fitting. Um, it's, it's, some, it's a treat. And you might never have heard exactly why, because you might have pressed start before it ever really went where it goes. It really does go some places, yeah. So uh, let's go listen to Brat Overflow and into free Dungan. <laughs>
So, uh, Brat Overflow, um, this is the track that I referred to earlier at the beginning of the show that inspired this episode topic for me. Um, yeah, a little bit like Octopath Traveler earlier, I want to do a little bit of like visual and um, audio comparison because I think, as Wes was saying earlier, um, there are a few title screens that you close your eyes and imagine, and I think that 13 Sentinels does that, but it does something very cool as well. Um, so... Um, basically the title screen for 13 sentinels uh, the music is playing in the background but it's playing really muffled with no vocals it's like it's on a radio on the screen and you press the x button and it zooms out camera zooms out um on this kid who's looking out at this sentinel which is the name of the robots in this game and all these other kids are standing out there in their very pretty vanillaware graphics um and then if you press x again the song gets louder and the vocals come in and it's very very cool and the main character turns around and looks at the camera and the title screen comes up and i just thought it was a very cool moment i was kind of like i did it right as the um drums come in when i first booted up the game and i was like oh this is going to be special because um bass escape um have worked with vanillaware for all of their games um and every soundtrack sounds so different. Like Odin's Sphere and Dragon's Crown sounds so different to Muramasa. And I mean, I don't think there's anything else like the Incentimal soundtrack out there. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Brat Overflow is really difficult to talk about. It's really unusual. Um, essentially, it's almost like a choir song or a group of kids singing to the backdrop of a lot of electrical music, a lot of synth drum, um, and a lot of static. Um, and I think really, again, similar to Octopath Traveler, um, I think it tells the story or the themes of the game extremely well. So I think the percussion is one of the most important pieces in this um, piece of music. I think it drives a lot of the determination of the song. The for a title theme as well it's quite intense like it picks up very 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 quickly um and really kind of drives home that there's something very very dangerous going on um but i think for me my favorite part of brow overflow is the vocals um they are not a language it is just a made-up language it's not anything in particular people have tried to pull it apart think about what they're singing like near uh, yeah near is chaos language um emmy evans actually came up with a language for the vocals um whereas this is just kind of i don't want to say gibberish but like it's not there's no like logical words behind it whereas chaos language actually does have an interpretation i believe um so that's fair but it's like a similar vibe and tone like i listening to these lyrics it makes me think like yeah if you had played if you told me this was from near i would have been like sure I believe it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that essentially like, it's led by one female vocal and then a couple of other kids come in during the middle of the song. And again, if you know anything about 13 Sentinels, it's about 13 kids who come together, build these robots and fight against some giant robots to save the world, essentially. Um, I'm not going to say any more than that because there's lots going on in that game. Um, one of the easiest to spoil games around. Oh god, yeah, it's one of the hardest games to talk about. Yes, but it's like, um, from what I've seen, like I edited your video re review and I got mm -hmm. to see like snippets of it. And it did, we did a good job of not spoiling much of anything, but I just this seems to be far more intense than everything I kind of saw going on in there. And even like the battle itself seems kind of intense, but like those battles don't play out in real time. It's all strategic and tactical and from like a strategy screen kind of thing. So it's just like this music really sets you up for like this intense action-packed thing and it's like okay hey, now go to school yeah <laughs> um a lot of them do get a lot more intense than that yeah there's a lot going on on some of those screens um but really like i think 
it just drives together that these kids are, and I think like the premise of the game is like these kids are basically trying to save the world. Like they've been thrust into these sentinels and they now have to fight against whatever these other giant monstrous robots are. And it's like this one girl singing at the beginning is like bringing all the other kids together. And it's like all of these vocals build up and up and up. And it's like, a, it's not not nearly a battle cry. Um, interestingly enough, the vocals are used in the final battle music in the game and they do there are more layers to those vocals in that version um but like it's this one kid singing to bring them all together to just kind of stand up against this um but yeah it's a busy song um but it's really really cool and i'm interested to know because i know i think wes you've played it haven't you oh Um, yeah yeah, so I'm interested to know what everybody else thinks, really. So what what this one brings to the fore for me is how much the, the soundtrack and especially the song are evo- evocative of a lot of psychological sci-fi anime from like the late 90s, early 2000s, like okay. starting, you know, era of Lane and whatnot into like, you know, your dot hack signs a, a little bit a little bit later on, where the vocals just kind of weave in and out of the, the, the track almost like another instrument. It's not meant to... You know, stand out from the the rest of the music quite so much. Very of its time, yes. Like of the time that it's trying to evoke, not of the time it was made. Yeah, it's it's impressively uh, savvy about the era that it's that it's trying to emulate, and it kind of puts you in that mindset, which is good because this is you know as a sci-fi story, one of those kind of psychological ones that's trying to play with perceptions a lot, and it puts you in that right mindset if if you're a you know a genre fan and. It's a game that really rewards you being, you know, more and more of a genre fan. It likes its 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 references and it's savvy and you knowing those tropes so that I can play against them. And I feel like that is reflected in the title screen every bit as much and, and the rest of the soundtrack as well. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't even thought of that with um, old sci-fi anime or psychological sci-fi anime, especially given that like 13 Sentinels is so built upon like shoujo manga and 80s television and pop culture and going to see like sci-fi movies and that. So I think that's a really, really cool comparison. I love that. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I own this game. I have played none of it. Um, <laughs> I would like to. Um, but I like the way that they layer sound here. Um, and, like, obviously, like, I know that, like, we're looking at, like, a variety of characters. And you can, like, fi- kind of follow paths in, like, whatever sort of order you want. But I feel like they capture um, sort of, like, that layering of narratives and that layering of like different ways of approaching it um with the way that they compose this the this, this song i mean because you've got like those those drums and that percussion that you were talking about earlier alana um but also like the sort of the synthesizer that's like sort of like fast and spiraling and i kind of feel like based on my impression at least of this game like there's like definitely sort of a spiraling story here mm-hmm. um and like the vocals sort of on top of it and it's almost like bjork like uh, sound in Bjork, like being very like <laughs> yeah. sort of otherworldly yes, in general. Um, like, and I feel like the way that like it works together and like the youthfulness of the vocals, along with sounding like Bjork, um, like sort of makes it sound like sound like kind of galactic. Um, and again, yeah. I, I don't know what happens in this story. Like, people have done a great job of not spoiling me on this game that I very much want to play, but it all it all feels like it, it's like building towards like these people coming together in some way but also like the separation of their stories and the difference of their stories and like sort of like the compactness of like this this person's over here and this person's over here and this person's over here and like telling different kinds of narratives while also feeling otherworldly at the same time which i think is a lot to evoke in a very short period of time 
Um, but I think this track does that pretty effectively. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like. I really like that idea of bringing all the voices together through. And I think the static does that as well. It's like there was two interpretations I had of the way like the song like kicked in, and it's like part of it's like static, as if like it's. We used this analysis for another song a couple of episodes ago, didn't we? Um, I think it was the near one, like sort of like someone from the distance is trying to reach out for help or something like that. But also, it could sound like a computer moving up, basically. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's a lot going on in terms of like references to technology, references to like the main thirteen protagonists, all their paths coming together. Um, yeah, the, the the song's not even two minutes long, and it does like all of that and the game's like 25 hours long and it manages to cram a lot in that time as well so it does a really fantastic job of like evoking the entire plot of the game and even like even knowing what was going on like it was interesting going back to listening to it and going like oh shoot yeah like this does actually work really well but yeah it's really impactful i think Uh, it's why I I'm, I'm really impressed by like the way that the harmonies like with the instruments and the voices become like tighter as it goes. Mm. Um, and I think that that is, I, I, in an obvious way, as I'm imagining, it's like indicative of what's happening in the story. Like these people are like, coming together um, in the typical JRPG kind of ways, even though I know this isn't really an RPG. I don't know how to classify it. We've had many conversations about this, Lana. But, yep. um <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I just think that, like, this song is, like, really rich. Like, there is a lot going on here, and, like, it makes me even more excited to go play the game. Um, and I've already been pretty excited to go play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was my favorite soundtrack of 2020, easily. Like, even with 7 Remake around, I adore it. It's, there's nothing else like it, I don't think. Everyone should play it. Everyone here, everyone listening, everyone who's not listening. Er- yep, I agree. I agree. But I guess I should also play Dragon's Dogma, right? More arguable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it got a re-release recently. That that one's a little bit more of a, a qualified recommendation, but the intro is uh, a heck of a party. Um, actually performed by Bizu, which is this like colossal legendary rock, visual K, J-pop. They've been all over the map band from Japan. Uh, that's influenced a whole bunch of their biggest acts, including like Larkin's Yell, which is pretty well-known japanese band around oh, these yeah. parts uh yeah. they're they're you know this legendary influence the guitarist is you know often considered one of the the best guitarists in japan depending on you know who you ask but it's not what you would expect for a high fantasy or maybe low fantasy uh depending on your definition story um especially because this this game dragon's dogma the idea of it is to take influence from western rpgs it's to play a little closer to your skyrims or or, or what have you but the way that Dragon's Dogma hit those targets was, you know, all over the place. It had action that felt like it came out of uh, Devil May Cry. It had these combat encounters that felt a little Monster Hunter. Its big open world was divided into sections that were occasionally a lot closer to like JRPG design than Western RPG design. And I think that that kind of weird chaotic mishmash that some people love and some people absolutely abhor is like perfectly reflected in this this title music, um, which is why I love this title music almost as a microcosm of what it says about the game, um, more so than like the artistic merit that it that it brings to, you know, getting you prepared um, for for the emotional journey of this game, because uh, you know it's it starts you out really nice and gentle. It gives you that that simple piano intro that feels like okay, I'm getting myself into you know fantasy land right now for lack of lack of a better term um strings start to swell and it's more and more like okay this is this is building up this is going to be some epic fantasy drums kick in at a march but before long those drums kind of kick over to a trap set and the electric guitars kick in um 
And like before you have a chance to understand what the heck is going on, the vocals kick in and it is extreme like visual K, which is, you know, the Japanese rough equivalent of glam rock vocals that seem completely at odds with what you're seeing and to a, to a degree kind of are. It fits with this weird hybrid of like a character action game and RPG to a degree where it's playing that that stylishness, that flashiness, even though the game doesn't always keep up with those, those lofty ideals. But I think it's such a fascinating song to listen to, especially because it takes so long to get to the point where it just hits that switch and says, oh, this isn't actually like our nice little fantasy intro song. This is... Uh, this uh, is our late late seventies prog rock song. Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> you just get this, yeah, this power ballad, and you're like, what? <laughs> that we just snuck in in the back half. That I, I guarantee you, someone listening has played Dragon's Dogma and had no idea that this song took that turn because it takes long enough that you might have pressed start by then. You might never really hear this. Guilty as charged. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that speaks to how Dragon's Dogma works as a whole. And I like those kind of serendipitous analogs that you can see between music and, and game. Yeah, having not played it, like initially when I first listened to it, I was like, what on earth is going on? Like, I love the big, I love how it opens. I think it's really beautiful. And then it's yes. like, you've got this sudden switch where you're just like, hang on a minute. You've got like, like you've said, I think having no time to adjust is like a really good way of putting it. And I have no idea if Dragon's Dogma itself is like that. Like, does it just kind of bait and switch or something or do similar? I don't know. You can get pounced on by the odd monster, but generally you kind of know what's coming. Okay. Yeah, it's it's more so the odd mishmash of ideas that they're throwing in there. The weird social right. online stuff, the act, the different kinds of action, the exploration. This doesn't set up the tone for the game really at all. Like that, that brief moment at the top is probably the closest thing to like the tone of the game overall. Everything else is more, yeah, the rest of the song is just like wackadoo, like we're just doing it cuz. <laughs> which, which seems like potentially how some design elements of the game were, were decided. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some things about Dragon's Dogma, which are not always favorable, but I know it's beloved. I have some love for the game, despite the wackiness of it. <laughs> yeah, I love that you can do things like that with um, games that have just got that little bit of whack about them. Um, but yeah, like I tried to dance around spoilers because I, I think I want to try Dragon's Dogma because like you say Devil May Cry and Capcom and I'm like I'm there pretty much basically um but I did notice like obviously I there's lyrics so I dived into them and they're in English so of course I looked into them um Dangan means bullet right and initially like when I first listened to it and in Japanese I should say um which should be obvious to me as someone who's played Danganronpa um uh but like on first listen I didn't know that so I was like this song is to get my blood pumping it just sounds like a I say just a Japanese anime opening or a J-Rock anime opening. Um, but then when you look at the lyrics, there's something very self-sacrificial about it. And it's like, it's very much like, I don't want to get into it too much, but there's something very much like you're giving yourself up to save the world kind of thing. Like the, the, the lyric is like... And that tracks. Yeah, the lyric is like, I am the bullet. I am the dungan, right? So it's like, you are going to throw everything you can to do whatever you can to save whatever and that follows even the plot that you'll see at the beginning of the game like the lyrics surprised me i never looked into them until now how well they actually match the content of the game despite the music being absolutely out there <laughs> yeah that's like the only reason why it's there and i wonder too if how much it was like uh if they had something else at the top and then once they got through the game and they're like huh well we're done development it releases soon like i guess we really can't do much eh but uh what if we got like a kick-ass <laughs> song that'll just make people care more sure let's go with that 
I don't know. I'd, Im I'd imagine there was more thought than that put into it. Absolutely. Like, no, I, I know. Think... I'm being facetious. <laughs> no, I'm not sure if I would say there's more thought than that put into it. But yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a big band, a big label that they were able to get in. Dongon's fired. <laughs> Ouch, that would hurt me internally. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it definitely goes some places. But yeah, that beginning bit to that like the rest of that song and it, it like it kind of slows down as well towards the end as well doesn't it like there's a brief pause where it just yeah, kind it gives of you an outro gives you a yeah. bit of an outro and then yeah it slows down a little bit i mean i feel like the, a lot of jrpg songs do that uh especially like title screens um yeah but like it, it's interesting because like um this song uh, we kind of talked about this like the way that it pulls so many different styles together but like all those styles are like very straightforward once they like once they move to another style, it's like, okay, now we're in late 70s rock. I, now I am listening to a Yes song. Um, and now I am listening to um, a, a very simple, like, piano strings thing. And, you know, it's like these, like, sort of, like, incidental, like, guitar, like, filling it up. And, like, it's, like, noodling around in almost, like, this, like, jam band kind of way. And, like... The chorus is like kind of catchy, but it's like also like older heavy metal. I, I've been talking about heavy metal a lot today, but like it's true. I, I mean, like in the way the synthesizer works, like I feel like I, 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 based on my understanding of the game from you, and I also haven't played it, Wes. Like it's it's pulling like all these different elements of what like RPGs do, and like maybe it doesn't fit together in a great way. Um, or, like these different kinds of games, and like yeah. that's actually how I feel about this song too. Um, like it, it doesn't <laughs> fit together to me um, at all. Um, and like, I kind of respect that, but I didn't like it at all. Um, and, uh, that's how I feel about Brian Adams music. I, I, I like this better than Brian Adams music. I got that. It's got that going for it uh, at least. Um, <laughs> um uh, it, it's just like, it, it, it's like pulling, like, it's almost like someone like in Japan was like, Hey, let's listen to American music. And like, I listened to it and they're like, Oh. This is terrible. Let's do that. Um, and like, <laughs> and thus the game um, as well. Yeah, I, 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 it, it doesn't ever quite congeal in any way that like makes any sense to me. And like, I'm like, the vocals are like kind of catchy, but like, I'm like, I've heard this song before. It was probably better when I heard it before. Like, it's really interesting. Like, I've never heard a song that has tried to do. Like, like comparing it to the opening, like they have really like beautiful like strings underneath the piano. I'm like, oh, that's lovely. Oh, 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 stop, <laughs> stop doing this to my ears. Stop. Um, and it's like not good, but it's interesting, and I kind of like it for that. I want that as a box quote for like the review. <laughs> yeah. I like it better than Brian Adams' music. <laughs> this is the risk that you get when you bring me onto the show because I love interesting way more than I love good, that's and good. this is interesting as hell. <laughs> yep. This is why we value you. And we've never had Indie Dragon's Dogma music as well. And I always want new stuff on here. So thank you for bringing it on. Um, it's, I, I think that is a ringing endorsement. I don't like it, but I respect what it's doing, essentially. Is what... You know, I said the same thing about Nocturne. So. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but that's kind of what the game is, too, in a sense. Like, you don't like it all the way, but it, it tried things in the same yeah. vein as, like, Final <laughs> Fantasy 2 and. You know exactly, yeah. But yeah, I know Dragon's Dogma has got its lovers, and I do want to play it at some point. So this, if this is my first taste of Dragon's Dogma, then uh, I think it set me up very well. Um, 
lots of conflicting opinions, which is good. Um, so I think it's probably about time to slow the pace down a little bit because we've gone a bit heavy. Um, so for the next block, Greg, you're leading us in with a track for, I think it's another debut game, I think. so. Yeah, I don't know if we've had any from the series that I can think of, to be honest. Uh, which yeah, was something I was just like, you know what? I want to change it around. I could have, I was looking at a lot of other basic options and I was just like, you know what? Recently I've been listening to stuff from front mission and liking it. And I was like, I want to, I want to get some front mission on the show. And, uh, and I really liked front mission Four a lot and, uh, yeah. And beginnings, the title screen from it is what I decided to go with for, uh, this chunk. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think we have had any front mission on. I'll have to check the database, but, um, yeah. And actually 13 Sentinels was a debut as well. So I should like shorthand myself. Uh, this is not, although of course I decided to be one awkward and two personal. That's, uh, just two things that I do all the time. Um, so this is an unofficial track from Grandia 2. Um, it doesn't have a title, so we'll just call it title theme. Um, but it is an instrumental version of a piece that is present on the soundtrack for Grandia 2. So, I hope you all like it. Um, so let's go listen to Beginnings from Front Mission 4 and the title theme for Grandia 2.
So beginnings. Uh, well, to begin with, since we decided, let's check over the break to confirm or deny uh, whether there has been front mission. I forgot on two things, making me a big old liar, that yeah, we did have front mission on before on the Shimamura episode, because uh, I did bring it up there as well, because I had, uh, that was during that episode, I discovered that Shimamura worked on it, which and we discuss, I remember discussing it, how it was really cool uh, to have a female, pair of female composers on that soundtrack, given in a, a very male-dominated um, industry, and the subject matter would be very male-dominated too, I imagine, right? So, either way, uh, it was on there, which also means uh, that's the latest episode I was on, not the Final Fantasy IX one. Anyways, big old liar Greg. I'm not going to lie about how much I like Front Mission 4, though. It's a pretty <laughs> cool game. And, uh, the, I mean, it's not like a really incredibly nuanced soundtrack or this title theme specifically but i wanted to bring on something that was just very different from what everyone could expect uh to expose listeners to something a bit different thematically it's very much uh i started playing ace combat 7 had a nice return to the series lately and this is just very much in that whole like call of duty ace combat like your modern warfare sound it's got those industrial kind of percussion notes uh, and then it's got like this melodic cello kind of playing underneath it the whole time that just makes you feel like you're at like a mission briefing. You should be looking at a screen, you get readouts and stats and strategies and uh, and that's it sets you up beautifully for the tone of how this game is going to play out. Um, it was funny because I was like, oh, look at Front Mission. And it's like, I, and I haven't played it in ages. And I was like, I'll throw it. Maybe I'll do like the actual Front Mission theme song, uh, which the, the title screen is just silence. So that didn't work out. Um, and then I was kind of going through and I was like, all right, for mission four, I haven't listened to in a while. And I was like, this song, it just really grabs me. I just like it. It's a weirdly evocative kind of just modern warfare sort of theme. A little bit. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like I, I really like the cello and I think it adds something like a little bit more somber yeah. to the song as well. Even like, if it is synthesized. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think like it brings, I don't want to say it brings me down or anything like that. Um, it's very meditative, this song. Like it is definitely, when you say a briefing, um, I think like it's like the said. calm. Yeah. It's like the calm before the battle or like moments when you're considering what to do next. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't really expecting somber from Front Mission because don't, I don't really have any exposure to the Front Mission series. Um, and I've heard a little bit of Shimamura's stuff on the soundtrack um somber's pretty fitting yeah yeah it feels like it would be um but i i yeah i wasn't sure what to expect with this and it was just calc it like it feels very calculated a bit meditative slower um it's also menu music as well isn't it so i think it's used for both the title screen and the menu music which i think makes sense yeah like you're trying to make decisions and things like that and it kind of makes sense in that context do you want to press start <laughs> <laughs> in that screen yes um but um yeah i think like when it picks up a little bit with that cello and more a little bit more percussion comes in because there's not really any more than the cello and the percussion and the industrial sounds it's very like simple yeah it's very simple very steady and yeah it's very i don't want to say relaxing but just it's something i can just take a breath to i think is what i'm trying to say which is not what you'd expect from warfare not really no i mean i think i i, I like the simplicity of the melody in this because like, it resolves in different ways every time it's like oh there's there, there, this melody and then like it resolves in this way and then, like it resolves in this way it's and it's almost like um like a dripping sound um almost throughout like it, it has like these really interesting things that remind me a lot of actually of like the chariots of fire music um from the 80s um and it, it it feels like an 80s song to me in a way that like i actually really appreciated 
Um, and like there's, there's like this subtle, like underlying beat of like that almost like dripping sound. Um, but it also gives it like this drive. It has like a quiet energy to it. Like uh, it, mm-hmm. it's it, it, it's not like you know I, I know like it's in our coverage, of course. Like, but it doesn't like it doesn't feel like the kind of song that would fall into the normal JRPG beat, so to speak, uh, which yeah. is what we're normally talking about. And I, I, I appreciate it for that. Like the. Like the, the the subtlety of it, and like the way that it was resolving beats in different ways. Um, and I never played a front mission game, but I actually will be honest. And I was like, hey, like I like that it's like using simplicity to like do like a slightly different thing, and like it would always resolve in this slightly different way. With a sl- it wasn't repetitive at all, and I really like. I, I actually really like that a lot. Okay, so I thought it was cool. I'm with you on what I'm going to call the synthesized percussion uh, that kind of runs throughout on um, those little kind of electronic drip sounds. Um, those made me feel like I, I got instant sense memory for, for metal gear while doing that. And I was trying to yes! like piece together. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's, that's a sound that lends itself really we- well to, okay, this is, you know, modern warfare, but with a little bit of a sci-fi twist on it which, you know, Metal Gear does, Front Mission does, it gives you that bit of, it feels grounded, but there's just that little bit of uniqueness of, like, odd instrumentality to it that makes you feel like, okay, this is familiar but slightly different. Uh, that works really well, I think, for for the game it's in. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, like, this composer has, has I think this, this was actually, I think, the first game, like, they were just, like, the sole composer on, but they've been working with Square for a while now like you know they had little bits in legend of mana and chocobo racing and stuff uh fun fact they're doing the music for stranger of paradise Ooh. so at least that'll be good sounds chaotic to me oh no <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they did left alive when the music and left alive was probably one of the parts i actually didn't mind about that i mean it's very much like just sets the tone for you're in a war zone but like it's still it's good it is what it is mm. so i'll be see, curious to see but yeah just it was it was neat seeing uh where um Hidenori Iwasaki's gone from the soundtrack. Basically, it has established his uh, modern warfare roots now <laughs> from this one. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Um, like the Stranger Paradise soundtrack or Stranger in Paradise. I don't remember what one it is. Which one's the grammatically incorrect one? It's that one. Um, but like, I chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds so different to anything else I've heard from him, other than obviously any front mission stuff. Um, yeah, I the dripping sound is what I picked up on. I wish I'd thought of a term for it. Um, so I'm glad that you three all call it dripping. Um, that kind of helped me out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad everyone enjoyed it because it was really different and it's good to get some front mission on the show. So thanks, Greg. No worries. I wasn't sure how it was going to land because I was like, I know this is very like... It's a very not nuanced song. It's not big and grand and as some of the other things we could have picked. And I was like, eh, just a nice little breath of fresh air and just something a little more future-y, I guess. But then, you know, you throw in 13 Sentinels and that's more like wild and crazy future. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I like having an eclectic mix of stuff. Like, I like having popular stuff alongside stuff that is maybe a little bit less known or a little bit less obvious. So I think that's what makes the show. Yeah, I've used this uh, this episode as my platform to be like, discover things, people. <laughs> um, but I think most people will have heard this in some way, even though it's not on an album. So the title music to Grandia 2. Um, so as I said, this is kind of a personal pick. Um, partially because the way I decide to pick songs for this show is like I try and pick things that are different from each other so if one song's really upbeat I want a slower one so that's absolutely what I wanted to do 
I wasn't really sure what I wanted here. Success. And success. This is the total opposite. And actually, again, it's very simple, like, like beginnings. Like there's only really two instruments used throughout the song. Um, but this is an instrumental version of a song called Ardeus, which is a hymn that Elena, um, one of the characters in Grania 2, has to sing multiple times throughout the game. Um, Ardeus is a Portuguese phrase, which means either goodbye or to God, depending on what context you use it in. Um, I'm being really selfish and really honest here. One of the reasons I bought this title theme on, I remember it really well as a kid, um, just thought it was really beautiful and really peaceful, but the actual vocal theme, Ardeus, I don't think I'll ever get a chance to bring it on the show. I reckon someone else will probably beat me to it. Um, also, Ardeus is like maybe my favorite piece of video game music ever. Maybe. I don't know why. I just really love it. Um, I think it's gorgeous and kind of makes me cry every time. Um, but. I think the instrumental version that plays on the title screen has what really stuck with me. Um, so I think the two instruments here, you've got the harp, which I think is underutilized in a lot of video game music. Like I think it, it manages in this song in particular because it's the backdrop to a song that's holy or a hymn. It makes the song sound extremely spiritual and gives it like that really like light and airy and very ethereal quality um even as it picks up a little bit like around 49 seconds in of the copy we're gonna put onto the um episode um the harp just picks up like a little flourish or a little stronger pluck and it picks up at the same place that the singing or the vocals in the original version pick up as well um and it feels like while the vocal version of Ardeus would be what Elena would obviously sing this is like the version you would hear as you were praying at the church of Granus or at whatever point I it's been so long since I've played Grandia 2 so I'm probably like blowing out details um but I think like also to contrast it with Grandia 1 a little bit like and the themes of Grandia 2 because this is a very peaceful piece of music for a game that is kind of on the edge of teenage edge for the entirety of its like 40 hour runtime like grandia 2 is like very peak teenage rpg um i don't need you to attack me like that <laughs> <laughs> it's attacking me as well as when i played it um but like grandia 1 is way more adventurous it's got that game arts um spirit that carries over from lunar and iwadare who is the composer for lunar and for grandia um one of my favorite composers ever i think he just does a really gorgeous just job with Ardeus and this piece in particular of creating something that is so just gentle and really beautiful um it's just really peaceful and sacred and it strips out the vocals and it strips out the violin to create something really lovely um so I know it, again it's a really simple piece um but yeah I, I just I love it I I had to bring it when I saw it and remembered I was like <laughs> nope this is me. I've got to bring this. I mean, it's it's a lovely track. And, I, and I'm and i really glad that you talked about, like, sort of that contrast between Grandia 1 and Grandia 2, which is, you know, something that I have thought about more and more over the years. Like, and it's almost like this, it feels like this song is taking place, like, in a pond at night. Mm. With, like, sort of, like, these atmospheric sounds. It's sort of, like, vaguely ethereal. But, like, like the, the underlining, like... I don't know how the, like the, the like the background noise sounds almost like cicadas and like mm. it, it like in a lot of ways grandia 2 is like the dark half or side of what grandia is doing um it, like neither neither game is like doing anything really serious like grandia 2 is like i don't know like ryoto is like a, a sad boy and like the church <laughs> is bad 
Um, and Grandia One is like, hey, Justin's happy. And like, he's like, not happy for a second. Let's make him happy again. And then like, it's like some save the world nonsense. But like, I really like the underlying buzz of it. Like, it feels like it's in slow motion. It feels like it's underwater. And it's I'm guessing it's all synthesized, but like hmm. still the way that they're bringing the sounds together to create this like sad contrasting sound to what Grandia One is doing, I think is really fascinating um, and works really well because like it, 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 it just feels like it is establishing a different tone from the moment you or before you press start um, in this game. And I think that it works remarkably well for establishing the tone, like sort of like that darker tone of what Grandia 2 is doing. Hmm. I didn't think of it like that, actually. That's good. Um, yeah, because I think it's more gentle than I would have expected had I known what Grandia 2 was like beforehand. Um, but you're right. It does bring a degree of seriousness and a degree of like consideration that I think Grandia 1 is obviously just like teenagers going out to have like go exploring obviously that's extremely reductive but like whereas Grandia 2 is a bit more like I don't know uh, I can't think of the right phrase for it but it's 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 darker in quotes let's say it's emo I think is the appropriate term I don't want to <laughs> use that it's more of a I focused did. journey ah, there for we real go. adults at the ripe old age of 13 <laughs> Whoever read Catcher in the Rye and like thought like, yeah, that's just like me. <laughs> well, it's from going from the journey outward to a journey inward. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is actually the song that I thought of immediately when I saw title screen. I didn't conjure the game up until two days later. Just oh. this song has stuck with me so, so well from this game. Uh, and I think it's because it came out day and date with a, another game that I absolutely adore. And there was like this big choice okay which one do you focus on first they're two very big rpgs which which one do you do you bring into it and this one felt so much more calm and serene which especially to a teen feels like oh this means mature this means you know this is a more thoughtful experience to me whether or not that's true does not matter to a teenager <laughs> but it it stuck with me as as you know this is the the mood that you set when you get into the game it feels very deliberately like this is how we want you to feel when you start playing this game every time. I'm so glad it's stuck with someone else as well. That makes me feel pretty good about it. You're not alone. There are dozens <laughs> of us. Yep, there are dozens of us with Dreamcast as kids and teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've played either. So I I don't have a lot of context for it. Just that it's very pretty. And I agree with you, Alana, that there's not enough, not enough harp. More harp forward, please, because that stood out to me immediately. And the harp brings such a mystical vibe mm. to it. That it just, yeah, I'm enchanted by it. I want to know what's what's behind, you know, the door of these ruins of this temple or whatever it is that you go in and explore. And questioning God, I guess, makes sense then at that point. Yeah, the title screen itself is like the mural um, of um, yeah. Palamar and um, Granus um, fighting each other. Um, so it's like the two gods fighting one another um, on the backdrop. So yeah, it's like the mystery of like what does this mean kind of thing yeah that's a good comparison yeah the music evokes that really nicely with that little title still and um and like and then you got that kind of like weird airy synthetic whatever thing in the background just feels like 
air whistling through the ruins kind of thing. It was very neat. Uh, and weirdly enough, just, again, the tone of this harp and the way the music, the, the rhythm of it all, it kept making me think of the title screen from Chrono Cross. Yes, I nearly brought yeah. Garden of Gods. Yeah, I nearly brought it. It's one of my favorite title themes. So that's a really good, yeah, that's another one that uses the harp. It's a screen you can hear. Yeah, screen you can hear. It's underwater as well. So yeah, there's some, that's, oh. There you go. That's a good comparison. Yeah, it's just it's very ethereal, right? This so it was a really nice again like little chill out break. This whole block. So thanks for bringing that one and exposing me to it because I've wanted to check out Grandia for ages, even though it's got its misgivings these days. I've heard. Well, what? One, it's, it's one and two playing. are great. Yeah, one and two are yeah. both really good. One is very much if you've ever played Lunar or any kind of like um, I don't know. It's like a it's like Saturday morning cartoon RPG, like very mm. adventure, very like uplifting. Very Grandia two like is Final very Fantasy much. IX. Yeah, Final Fantasy nine is not uplifting in certain ways. Um, oh, but, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, maybe not the uplifting uh, part, but just the Saturday morning cartoon part. The the Grandia battle system is still like basically unmatched i mean oh, like it's yeah. fantastic yeah, yeah you should check it out yeah maybe it was the ports that just didn't do well maybe that's what it was i, I reviewed them and i gave them an okay score you gave them 75 because there was like some problems with them but like they're the games essentially aren't they there was no quality of life they features are. but like yeah. as long that as you like issue. maybe that's what it was yeah yeah maybe um but yeah no, they're definitely worth playing i haven't played three personally um but I would highly recommend one and two. Oh. One and two are worth playing, and they are cheap on the Switch, I'm sure, at this point. I think so, yeah. So highly recommended. But yeah, I felt like we needed a chill-out block. Um, but we're going to move on to another Dreamcast RPG for our last block, which, if anyone knows who I am, I'm very happy with Wes right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, how did you not pick this one? I, I don't know. I've already picked a Sky song, so I need to give it a little bit of a break until I pick another one. But luckily, Wes is here to save the day. So. I'm there to swoop in. Uh, <laughs> Skies of Arcadia's theme is one of my favorite themes, one of my favorite games. Uh, I will talk at length about it shortly, but uh, absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I feel like I should just call this block my favorites. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's appropriate. Yeah. I mean, like, I brought... Uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles main theme, which is, let's be honest, the greatest title theme ever written. It's the first thing I thought of. Yep. It's the first thing most of us thought of, but I knew, I mean, Zach was too quick for us. I, I, I picked it before anybody else made any picks. Yep, so. you did. You picked about a month before everybody else, which should show, show you how tenacious he can be sometimes. But there you go. Um, so yeah, let's go into interesting in the earth main theme block, so main theme Skies of Arcadia and main theme Xenoblade Chronicles.
So Skies of Arcadia has one of my favorite title screen songs ever. It not only, you know, is it just beautiful to listen to and it has this nice little scrolling view of the sky on the title screen itself that you can just kind of sit there and listen to for forever. Um, it also does something unique in that it gives you an aspect of the world of Skies of Arcadia that a lot of the rest of the music and even a lot of the rest of the game doesn't necessarily give you. Because Skies of Arcadia is this sky pirate RPG and uh, it emphasizes, you know, the swashbuckling and the the high adventure, the excited youth exploring um, in their, their increasingly impressive airships. Um, so a lot of the, the music leans on the horns and on, uh, you know, big brass and, and trying to make it feel like you're going on this big pirate adventure. Um, whereas Whoa. the title screen... <laughs> yes. No, your exactly. hose in skies, actually. So there. <laughs> um, but the title screen itself slows it down so much and gives you an appreciation of, like, the grandeur of just being out in the sky, being able to you know, move slowly through this this wide open world with no earth to be seen, just clouds as far as you can see. And it it's soothing in a way that kind of contrasts with the game, but also gives you an idea maybe of what, what you're fighting for to a degree within the game, um, or maybe just to give you an appreciation, a sense of scale um, that you almost couldn't entirely get through like a Dreamcast RPG. Um, it makes the whole world feel huge and beautiful and alive and magical. Uh, it, it fills you with wonder uh, in a way that not many title screens do. Not, not a lot of them try to build the world in themselves in the way that I feel like Skies of Arcadia's does. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to jump in um, just because, well, I mean, I might take everybody's notes. So I'm really sorry. Please stop <laughs> me because I'm sure everybody knows how much I love this game um, in the world. Um, but yeah, um, Wesley nailed it. Um, absolutely. Um, I think this main theme of Skies of Arcadia is used a couple of other times. I think it's used in a lot of the ship themes when you're traveling the world map, but obviously yeah. it's got much a much faster pace to it. Um, but when you said like this song is more about like what the characters are fighting for, I think that's absolutely what it is. Like the only instruments in this piece are string uh, string instruments, is and I think that what they do is that they kind of capture the philosophy of Vise and at least the main characters um, really well because there's a quote from the very end of the game that I always remember um, and it's called as long as it's it's the quote says as long as there are dreamers who have the courage to pursue their dreams the world will have heroes and I think that this song like there is definitely like an excitement and a, like a grandiose like adventure aspect to Skies of Arcadia, but I think like Vice and everybody are just teenagers who are dreamers. Like they are dreamers who want to do things to have memories and to have memories to cherish and have a journey to cherish. And I think this song is nostalgic because it kind of captures that like emotion of like these kids who are dreaming to do whatever they want in the world. Um, I think it's a really romantic and beautiful piece in that way because um, I think it just captures like a particular essence of adventure and joy and optimism that no other piece in the game really does. Um, so I think it just really embodies like Vice in particular as a character and their philosophies. So yeah, like it's such a simple piece so there's not like a ton you can say about it but I think like absolutely like those rolling clouds and just how beautiful and like it just makes me smile this song just makes me smile every time it's 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 stunning i i love this piece so 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 much you know i'm really glad you said romantic and i hate to sound like an english teacher here which i know i do a lot on this show or all shows 
Um, but like, I, I, I feel like uh, the way this captures like a particular kind of idealism um, is like very romantic in like a classic literary sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and that also extends like classical music because like you have all these romantic composers who are composing music in a particular kind of way in the 1800s. And like, they are embracing along with like culture in general, um, like a sort of romanticism. And like, when I think of romanticism, I think of like, you know, a belief in the human ideal belief in humans as the people who can do the thing. Yeah. Um, and I've never played skies of Arcadia and I desperately want to, and will be relatively soon here, but like the way they capture that and like an almost classically romantic sense I think is really like, and it's hard like for me to like put my finger on like, hey, this is what's romantic about this piece. But like, if you listen to any romantic classical music, like this feels like it is pulled straight out of that, and there's no way it's a coincidence. And the way that like it, it just feels like a classic string quartet, um, and it doesn't have like the frill the frills or like the contrasts that JRPGs are obsessed with. Um, it's just like, hey, let, let's like, put like four instruments together and make it work in a way that is it sounds so much like a romantic piece that is embracing idealism and what we can do, I think is like really stunning, honestly. Like it's it's really interesting in a way that the simplicity of it makes it interesting to me, I guess is my point. Uh, first of all, come on, Zach, sound more like a French teacher. Um, I don't know, like, what else were we going to say? <laughs> Throw a little German teacher in there. Um, just to, before I mean, we get too far from it, yeah, the romantic thing that struck me, uh, which, again, brings me back to a chrono uh, rem- um, idea, uh, just the song is very reminiscent. It feels like the good old days, which is very suitable for a nostalgia trip for this RPG, as it probably gives uh, Alana and such for the special place in her heart it holds. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just very much like... You could be sitting around a table with your pirate buddies just reminiscing on those good old adventures and such, which kind of sounds sort of idyllic, I guess, with what uh, Vice's ideals are. And uh, yeah, it reminds me of not the title theme of um, Chrono Trigger, but when you wait and you get that opening movie and it's like that whole, especially in the um, the remakes where, for the, uh, where they added like that animated bit where you're kind of looking back on the photo of all your friends and the oh, adventures you had. Yeah. It's very much like that for me. It's just, yeah, I just felt like you can just sit there and you're catching up with your memories. That's pretty much what it is, I think. Yeah, very, very not piratey, like you were saying, Wes. It's it does not it buries the lead very, really well. I think that speaks to you know a lot of pirate media everywhere, but especially in Japan, piracy as you know pirates as agents of freedom rather than thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know you see that recurring a lot. I mean, One Piece is the juggernaut that you see that is obsessed with romantic ideals, but um, it feels like it fits what they're going for to to make this romantic piece, to make it this idealized, you know, we're going to ignore all of the shady aspects of piracy because really what we're telling is a story about young people with dreams, about idealism, about romance, uh, to all the points that that y'all have made. Exactly. They're all Robin Hood types anyway, so the Blue Rogues are anyway. My favorite kinds of thieves, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I think, I don't really have a good segue for this apart from, hey, who else likes rolling clouds? Xenoblade. Good music to good music. <laughs> yeah, violin, strings. It's hard for me to find something like original to say about this piece um, because it is so lovely. Um, and like, I feel like it's, um, you guys were talking earlier about like the, like the idea that like 
title screens are inextricable from like the music that was made from them and like this idea like the monado sitting there like just in the ground while things happen behind it um i think it's amazing and i think it, it evokes time in a way like this idea of like a mournful time before it and like it, it goes so many different places like that um it starts with like this really like mournful, but also like vaguely hopeful, like piano song. Uh, I don't know a better way of describing it. Like, like the way that sound starts and then it, it's gentle and it pulls in. Um, and I like the uh, pauses in this, in this song, like this, like the, the times that it like stops and it continues going forward. And I feel like it, it does a really interesting job of matching the narrative of Xenoblade in ways that like you don't expect for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like Xenoblade does not feel like a mournful narrative until like, eh, like two thirds of the way through. Um, and then you're like, oh, wait. This is like the saddest story that a JRPG has ever told um, in the ways that it puts things together. And, you know, I, I have a thousand other things to say about it, but I think that it um, like it, it, it does some interesting things in terms of like telling its story. Like I, I always think of like JRPG songs and especially openings in terms of like instruments telling your stories. Um, and like it does this like a really interesting thing that was like eight notes where like it'll it'll like go up. And then it'll almost answer the question. And like, it, it feels like that battle that's happening uh, with people in Xenoblade um, in really interesting ways. Like, I, I feel like it is doing so many different things at the same time, like almost like the, the Octopath theme that I brought, but like in a much more orchestral way, I guess. Um, and I think it's just, it's lovely and mournful in the way that Xenoblade's story is lovely and mournful. It's funny too, because you're, you're half lucky that. On the Shimamura episode, I almost brought this song, so I would have like vetoed it for this one, unfortunately, on you. But uh, yeah, I'm so like like we said, we we all thought of as soon as I was like title theme, I know what I want. Ah, Zach got me, <laughs> uh, and so we had to get more creative because it's just yeah, it's brilliant. It's beautiful to just sit there. Um, I was going to say, actually, bring this up for you, Alana, with Skies of Arcadia, even because uh, Skies of Arcadia would have been more of the era along with Grandia and such where. If we wanted to like listen to the soundtrack, you just leave your system running on like mm-hmm. the title screen and just let it loop, right? Yeah. And how much of us probably would probably even do that now for Xenoblade Chronicles, even though you know we got YouTube or whatever, we don't need to. But same. Yep. I did. Yeah, with the um, definitive edition that came out last year, like the first thing I did was put it in my Switch. And I put it in and I left it on for 20 minutes. Um, I have a very specific note on my notes here that says, at 1.45, I cry on command as the piano and the violin come in. Every single time I listen to this song, I tear up at that bit. <laughs> One minute, 45 seconds is the is it gets louder and louder and, it, and it's just it, every single time. And it, like I can't divorce the imagery of like... Zach said like things happen in the background um I think really all that happens is like it goes from day to sunset to night to sunrise and it's just that image of like it bleeding in like the like the amber bleeding into the night sky of it like the song like picking up and it's just like vaguely mournful is perfect actually and you um, see the mechanics in the distance a little bit oh yeah It, it captures like everything so perfectly and like the way that you talked about it um following the plot of the game or at least like like because you don't know it's going to be a mournful game until pretty late on um but yeah like i think the way that this song 
it essentially has like five parts. It's like it starts really quiet, and then it gets a little bit louder, then it peaks and answers the question, and then it mirrors on the other side exactly the same. Like it slows down a bit, and then it goes quiet again to just the piano and the violin, and then the piano. And it's like that is kind of Xenoblade's arc. Like Xenoblade is like a lot of it is mournful, and a lot of it is like the game is essentially about like you helping out lots of people and coming to understandings like understanding like the pain that the homs have been through but also the pain that the mechons have gone through and like reconciling all of those feelings together and i think that this song does that really well like there's a lot of loss in xenoblade um and a lot of pain and a lot of trauma that all the characters have to go through and i think that this captures it like not only for the characters but also for the bionis and the mechonis in the broadest sense without spoiling anything very specific but yeah sorry i kind of like hopped in there greg so carry on <laughs> no i i lobbed the ball on purpose so don't worry <laughs> um although one thing that's really funny too because with the uh again we all again it's a, this is a title screen that you can hear or a song that you can see right like you just hear the song and you see the, the imagery um uh it reminds me it's always reminded me of the final fantasy 10 uh still image too with the with like the sword, the, the ball, and oh, the, the fire the pit, yeah, Zanarkin. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's also a stunningly beautiful title screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of the music. Yep, Woo. yep, that was on last episode though, so we couldn't have it. Indeed, <laughs> I considered it, and I was like, oh wait, no, no. I, I think uh, what really stands out the most to me is that Xenoblade, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, is this game that has such enormous size, scope, scale, so much so that it's not like a driving game it's not a game that you can play expecting to just like hit beat after beat after beat you know you can't expect to really drive through the plot it's a game that like demands that you slow down and breathe every once in a while Uh and especially those pauses in this title screen are like begging you slow down for a second take a deep breath understand that you know you're going to need to process that that uh things will not happen at a breakneck pace this isn't popcorn entertainment i feel like from from the jump it's it's teaching you that and it's putting you again. It puts you in that right mood for for the game that you're about to jump into. Um, not to mention that just yeah, that that opening screen might be one of the most iconic since like what Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy VII's Buster Sword sitting there. Oh god! Um, just like the visual alone. I mean, I don't know. Alana's recreation was pretty rivals it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's so simplistic though, isn't it? Like you know, we've had the Thirteen Sentinels one. We've had the Octopath one that's got movement. The only movement is the clouds the sky changing color and the breeze through the grass like that little twinkle of the piano right at the beginning like always makes me think of like you brushing your hands through the grass and like just staring up like because it also captures like the magnitude of like both the bionis and the mechonis i think like it 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 does so much it does so much it's so good xenoblade's so good i love (laughs) this song (sighs) yeah i mean i I, i'm glad because i had never really thought about that way Wes. like the idea of um the song instructing us to slow down. Mm. Um, and I like that a lot um, because like this game, like the first time I played it, like I, I a hundred percented it and hundred percenting this game is no joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How gosh, I've done it too. But <laughs> it, it, It's like the, the idea that it's asking us to slow down and like, like the plot feels like it's like so propulsive, but like it also like wants us to like enjoy the space. Um, but also like, in like, while we're experiencing it, like the sadness of how that space came to be. Um, I think it's a really interesting idea and I never thought of it that way before. So thank you. Mm, that's really beautiful. 
Yeah. <sighs> well, gosh, I don't really know how to end it better than Xenoblade. Um, but I think we have got something else coming up um, in a bit. But I mean, I just want to say I said this off air because um, I think we're about done. Um, thank you so much, everyone. Um, this is my first time hosting Rhythm and you have been an absolute dream to host. So I've had such a good time and I think we've done a really good job of breaking down some really impactful title screens and also pick some really interesting choices. Um, just some really good variety, um, some stuff I never would have thought of. Um, and, you know, there's still lots on the table for other people to pick up. So maybe we'll get another four people to come on and do some more title screens in a year or two time. Who knows? Um, but yeah, thank you so, so much for letting me host this and bringing some really brilliant analysis and tracks on. It's been a really great time. It's been a thank pleasure you for hosting, you for hosting us. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I was going to say one thing about title screens. Like it's, we've really come a long way. Like when you every once in a while, like you see these, the titles coming up on like, say like the Nintendo online and you look back at the old switch games where it's basically like the critics and the legal jargon, all that stuff's just crammed on like the front page. Cause they're like, <laughs> we don't know what these are yet. And then how over the years they've gotten more and more and more minimal to the point where like you can interact with them, like with 13 Sentinels, like it's just, could you imagine that you have this beautiful music playing over just like legal jargon and don't do drugs and all that other stuff that they just try to <laughs> shove on them back on like the Atari and the Nintendo and everything else? No, I know. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I feel like the Super Nintendo was the era where they really started to come into their own. Although like the original Metroid and Zelda and um, Final Fantasy, obviously, like they and Dragon Quest, like... You know, we've got all of those classics that have really, you know, there's there's no like there's no other medium really that can do like a tile screen the same way that a video game can. You know, you can say that about a lot of things. I mean, there's good good TV. Like you can always a good t- title sequence really sets the stage for like yeah TV mm-hmm. and film and stuff. And it's all when and how they choose to do it. Or then you'll play like Kingdom Hearts two, and then you finally get the title screen after you've like done two hours of tutorial, and you're like, what? oh <laughs> uh, yeah no dearly beloveds right at the beginning so that would that would have that could have been a pick today and i did consider it um but mm. which you know more shimmer more greatness um and like six is so iconic like you're saying on the super nintendo that's right like it just yeah. the way it, it plays down to again like it's just it's very cool how they've expanded the art of the medium into yeah to title screens to set the tone even more and tell the story as opposed to just like here's the thing plus start <laughs> yep absolutely but gosh yeah there's so many picks we could have brought and there's tons left so i'm sure you'll be hearing some more of them in the coming weeks months years as rhythm encounter carries on so uh yeah please carry on listening to us um but in the more immediate future for the show uh, rhythm encounter is going to be having an episode all about video game concerts so i think that'll be really excellent um very recently i just went to a final fantasy 7 remake orchestra at the royal albert hall beautiful <laughs> i was very lucky um to get jealous yeah it was incredible it was so good it's the second time i've been to the um royal albert hall and both times for distant worlds so it's highly recommended um so i'm really looking forward to hearing what the guests pick on that episode um because there'll be some fantastic video game performances and some really good expertise there um to talk about all of those and then after that we've got something a little bit different uh we're going to be doing a single console episode and it's going to be all about the nintendo entertainment system so the nes um so lots of old 8-bit chip tunes and um really old school themes um so there's a lot of like you know we've already mentioned final fantasy zelda dragon quest like we've got all those beloved classic series that started back on those consoles and we're going to be hearing the very original versions of them where those late motifs started and 
where we see them grow. So it's going to be a really, really interesting episode, I think. Um, but if you've got any other suggestions for topics, if you want to reach out to any of the hosts or if you want to give us some feedback, you can email us at music at rpgfan.com. Uh, you can also visit rpgfan.com to see the track list for the episode or you can come and see all of the albums. We've linked reviews. Um, we've got like the video review um links to some of the videos like um greg's pax um concert and um i've linked our days for grandia in the notes as well so there's a bunch of really useful- and i was at that concert yeah there you go so you might even see greg if you keep your eyes open for a <laughs> probably not <laughs> um but yeah um so there's lots of little additional bits there you can come and visit rpg fan for um but obviously you don't just want to come for the podcast we love having you here um but you can come and read all of our reviews and features and everything um also we've got multiple places you can come and find us you can come find us on facebook instagram twitter discord youtube and we've got a twitch stream every single day before i forget though it's not just rhythm encounter on rpg fan there are three other podcasts that we have uh we've got random encounter which greg is a part of often i have been yeah john has been doing a great job hosting in the meantime i will likely be getting back on there sooner rather than later but uh, yeah, come check us out if you want to just hear us talk about whatever video games we feel like talking about. Exactly. Yeah, we've been focusing a lot on our recent releases and uh, current stuff on the front page of RPG Fan, like the Tales feature, which Wes was a part of, and it was a really fantastic episode. And as a big Tales fan, like I was nodding the whole way through, like, "Yep, this is it. This is good." So yeah, really, really good episodes um, to pick up on. Uh, we've also got our weekly retro encounter, which is kind of a old school retro game journal talk about topics uh, every week there's something a little bit different on there um please go and check it out uh this month in november we will be talking about ease origin um one of the only ease games i've played uh, a really good game though so I'm really excited to hear what the panelists think about that and then we've got our partner podcast as well phoenix edge which i think has been a bit intermittent on a bit of a hiatus on and off over the summer um slowly been easing their way back in there on youtube on mondays usually so keep an eye out for those um they're a part of the rpg fan discord anyway so um if you're around on there or you join just you'll see whenever they post an episode they'll let us know um uh, they do really great stuff there and they focus on like current events and anything that they're playing right now so yeah it's a great job um but please subscribe to rhythm retro retro random and phoenix edge on any of the podcast listening apps you use maybe it's spotify google play apple podcasts please give us ratings and feedback as well we love feedback but if you want to contact any of us where can you do that uh starting with you wes uh if you want to find all the west content you can stomach it's on twitter at wes Iliff. you can find it links to anything else from there <laughs> i want more west content in my life more interesting content in my life i think <laughs> and zach where can we find you uh you can contact me by emailing me at zachw at rpgfan.com or you can find me on discord at zachw and greg uh you can find me in episodes of netflix's virgin river uh <laughs> you can't really talk to me on that i guess but either way uh, if you search greg Dalmage, you'll find me around but uh, i'm at greg Dalmage pretty much anywhere on social media gdl me on our discord all right and for me uh twitter is probably the best place i am at alana Hagues on there or you can find me on the rpg fan discord as alana um, but we do have one last title screen um, to get through. And as is tradition on the show, we have one last track to give. And I wanted to give it to Wes because, Wes, this is your debut on the show. So it feels kind of 
the right thing to do. So, and immediately the minute I put it to you, you were like, I've got something in mind. So (laughs) what did you have in mind, Wes? I feel like we've danced around it uh, at this point. I wanted to challenge Zach, not just for obvious, but for um, Shimamura supremacy here. So of Ah. course... Of yes. course, <laughs> uh, dearly beloved from Kingdom Hearts Two. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> maybe the greatest weight a single song has ever carried for emo- emotional resonance for a game series. <laughs> <laughs> There's been so many great versions of it, and um, the jazz version from uh, Melody of Memory is really oh, great. But beautiful two is still stuck out as my favorite. So I'm so glad you bought this one on. I'm so happy. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Yes. Right, so yeah, we're going to close out with Dearly Beloved, which I couldn't think of a better way to close out the episode, really. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you on the next episode where we'll be talking about video game concerts.
Shall we? Are we all ready? I'm good. Yep. Wes, you can kick off whenever you want. All righty. My brain just completely melted on myself. <laughs> no, I, it's I'm fine. good. <laughs> you have that moment where you open your mouth and just nothing comes out. Every day. Welcome to teaching. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 